So you, okay, you can hear me, cool. I've never wore one of these things, it's pretty cool. I was standing in the back, kind of like Secret Service guy looking around. So I'm uh, Jed Sorensen, some of you know my son, Jim. Um, and uh, I knew some of you guys a long time ago when you were like this big, probably, yep. Um, teaching Jim's classes. Um, I want to talk a little bit about myself, and then we're going to get a little old school with David. But what I want to do is uh, I want to share my testimony, so I've kind of uh, fit that in there. Um, so uh, besides being Jim's dad, a little bit about me is I was in the Army for 20 years. Um, I tell people I'm an old retired guy. I uh, retired as a lieutenant colonel, and uh, we moved around a lot. And um, I think Jim was six when I retired from the Army. Um, I've been at Church of the Apostles for 12 years. My last four years in the Army, I was at Fort McPherson down south of Atlanta. And uh, we started coming here, and uh, we've been coming ever since. Um, and I've been honored. I get to serve on the vestry um, starting last year. And that's meet with uh, Dr. Youssef once, uh, uh, see, about once a month and a group of men do on the vestry, and we pray, and we talk about the church a little bit, and it's been a neat to get that insight into the church. And currently, I work at Georgia Tech Research Institute right down at Georgia Tech, and I work with a bunch of really smart guys. They're smarter than me. I'm a program manager, and I help uh, translate what they do to Army guys. Um, but uh, first, I want to get into uh, old school and uh, talk about David. Um, so you guys probably know about David. I'm, I'm going to bring up three points if you're taking notes, and I'll highlight those points if you just want to write three things down. That, that'd be cool. But if you want to write more, that's good too. So you know, David was the king of the Israelites. Um, does anybody know which king he was? Was he the first king or the 18th king or the third? I didn't say it, just in case. He was the second king. Okay, the Israelites wanted a king, and who was the first king they got? Saul, that's right. Um, David was known for having a heart for God. You guys probably heard that, right? And uh, he wrote um, a lot of the Psalms, um, actually most of them. And does anybody know which king followed David, his, one of his sons? He had a lot of sons. Solomon, right? You know, Solomon was a wise king, right? wisest dude ever. Um, so uh, um, David was Solomon's dad. Okay. Well, back in those days, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. And I think if, if we could magically transform and go back to that time, we would actually feel the difference, not having the Holy Spirit. We take it for granted today. But back then, they didn't. And uh, they depended on... Uh, um, uh, people they called seers at the time, and uh, or prophets, people that uh, would God would speak to them through. They had the Levites who led them through all the the rules they had to follow, but um, they would have God would call special people, and and in those times God called Samuel, and that's that's a whole another story. Samuel's really a neat guy. Um, Samuel was told by God. He'd really, God was mad at the Israelites. They wanted a king. They didn't want God to be their king. They wanted a man to be their king. So uh, he appointed Saul. And Saul um, did well at first, but then he kind of screwed up. 
And uh, um, God told Samuel to go and anoint uh, someone else that he's chosen. So Samuel uh, went to where God told him, and he told him to go meet with a guy named Jesse and, uh, um, and go meet his sons. One of Jesse's sons is going to be the new king. So I'm going to read from you, to you from my old school Bible here. First um, Samuel 16:7. So Samuel went and he met with Jesse and he said, I need to go meet all your sons. And so Jesse had, I think, had a bunch of sons, seven or eight of them. I'm not sure. I should know, but it's in there. Um, And uh, when Samuel saw Jesse's oldest son, he said, surely this is the guy. He was tall, handsome. He, He was probably like really popular and uh, probably like had a varsity jacket on and uh, he probably uh, you know did all that cool stuff and he just kind of held himself with a certain uh, leadership way and you know he looked like the guy and God said and I'm going to read first Samuel 16 7 but the Lord said to Samuel do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him the Lord does not look at the things people look at people look at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart okay so the first point i want to make um, today is god knows us he knows me on the inside god knows me on the inside so god knows my innermost thoughts it's kind of scary if you really think about it um he knows everything we think He knows not just what we do, but why we do things. So God told Samuel, and even Samuel, who was the seer, he's the guy that God talked through, saw David's oldest brother and said, that must be the guy. And God said, no. Okay. So um, I want to transition from that to tell you a little bit about me to see if if we can relate a little bit, because I grew up a long time ago in Piqua, Ohio, small town in Ohio, Um, very different from Atlanta, but I went through seventh through 12th grade, so we have that in common, right? Seventh grade, um, let's see, I got, I was one of the the guys who could do math, so I was in the algebra class, Um, and I tried out for the basketball team, and I can remember kind of like the the thing that all the guys wanted to achieve is to be five foot tall in the seventh grade, and I was like the last guy to hit five foot tall. The basketball team you had to try out for, and 15 guys made the team. And guess what? I was number 16. I did not make the team. It was kind of tough. Um, I did really try, but honestly, I wasn't very good. I couldn't really dribble. I couldn't shoot. And I wasn't tall. And I never was in the right place on the court. Besides that, though, I meant well. Um, so, uh, eighth grade, that's when I started combing my hair, um, I parted it in the middle, okay? And I got it cut like three times a year, so at the beginning it would be kind of short, and I'd have to like put stuff on it to keep it down, and part it right in the middle. I had one of those combs that stick out your back pocket, I don't know, you guys, 
may have seen some old movies that way. But it was kind of cool. After like two, three months, my hair got kind of long and curly, and it was, and it was combed back. So you can picture me. I had those uh, um, Converse tennis shoes. Actually, I might have even had some, uh, what are those, Stan Smiths. But anyway, I had my um, socks pulled up to my knee with the stripes right around up here. And I had blue jean cutoff shorts that were about this long. And uh, that's what we wore back then. And I had the hair parted in the middle with my comb sticking out my back pocket. So I was pretty cool. Um, but eighth grade was kind of an awkward year for me and for most people my age at that time. Um, and I did make the basketball team. A guy named Johnny Yee broke his leg during tryouts. So I went from number 16 to number 15. And the highlight from that year is I had the highest shooting percentage on the team. I took four shots and I made two of them. And so I was 50%, which was just blew everybody else's stats away. So I was pretty proud of that. Um, ninth grade, at the beginning of ninth grade, we had to do the presidential fitness test. I don't know, do they still do that? Okay. And I did one pull up. That was all I could do. I tried really hard though. I probably got extra credit for trying hard. Um, but I, even then I kind of knew that was pretty weak. And uh, so instead of basketball, which I was, was excelling at because I had such a good percentage of shots, um, I decided to wrestle because I figured I'd get stronger there. And I was uh, in ninth grade, so I was 14. I was 5'4", and I wrestled 110. Um, and I got my hair cut once, and I lost two pounds. Um, I do remember that. That was pretty cool. Um, and at the end of wrestling, I could do four pull-ups. So I, really, I improved 400%. And, uh, and I did, so I gained some out of that. So I went from, uh, that was called junior high school at the time, 7th through 9th. And then high school was 10th through 12th. And in, uh, in high school, um, I still did pretty well in math. And so I was like in the calculus class. Um, I decided I wanted to be in some musicals. And I actually had a part. Now, it wasn't a big... Um, high school and they didn't really expect us to be all that good so compared to what you might see in a big high school here in Atlanta or even here at church um, I wasn't very good but I actually had a lead my junior year and then my senior year I had a real challenge they did the musical Grease I don't know have you guys seen that okay you might remember the character I got. My director was really excited that he gave me this. I was Eugene the Geek. Um, it was kind of embarrassing, but I was really good at it. Um, and that's the way a lot of people remember me. I also played soccer. I was really pretty bad, but I loved to run around. So the fact that I really couldn't get in the right place and I couldn't kick very well, I kind of made up for by running around a lot. And, uh, and that was kind of fun. And I played tennis. I liked tennis. Um, and I was the best guy on a really bad team. So I got to play the best guys on all the other teams. And I won two matches in two years, my last two years. But I went three sets with a lot of those guys. I just I couldn't finish it. But uh, I learned a lot about, um, about losing and uh, being a good loser. Um, so high school didn't necessarily come natural to me. I think in 11th grade, I started growing. And... Uh, by the time I graduated, I was six foot two and I weighed 150 pounds. So that's pretty thin. Um, and beginning of senior year, I walked into the 
to the principal's office for something or other, and they had sign up for class officers. And I was standing in front of the class president, so I just went ahead and signed up for class president. And it was me and the captain of the football team that signed up for that. And uh, his girlfriend signed up for vice president, I can remember. But there was a girl who signed up for class secretary who she took the typing classes and the, and the shorthand classes, and she wanted to be a secretary someday, so she thought being class secretary would be good. Well, it wasn't really all that cool to vote for class officers then, but she went around and she made all her friends vote because she wanted to be class secretary. And they kind of liked a guy like me better than the captain of the football team, so I got elected senior class president. So. So when I was graduating from high school, I was senior class president, and that was actually kind of fun. And uh, I was captain of the tennis team. That looks good unless you look at the record thing. But uh, uh, all that kind of helped me um, get into the school I went to. I'll get to that. But during this whole time, I was in a youth group at a Methodist church, and there were seven core kids in that group. And we had couples in the church who really invested their lives in us through this time. And so we kind of all grew up together, and our church went on a lot of cool trips, like to, well, to Word of Life, to Young Life camps. They formed a Young Life around our group. We were kind of called the campaigners. And I'd say by the time I graduated, there were 200 kids in my class. Over half of them had gone on some activity with our church. So that was pretty cool. Um, and I've kept in touch. One of those guys that was in that core group is, works for Campus Crusade, and he still works for them today. Matter of fact, I brought him up to meet Joshua with some of the missionaries that he works with last year, Joshua Youssef. Um, so I had, uh, had the youth group thing going on. I was kind of just getting through high school. Hopefully some of you can relate to where I was. I, I wasn't coolest guy. I had some successes. I had, and I did look cool with my hair that way. Actually, I started parting it on the side when I was a senior. Um, but um, through that whole time, I guess, honestly, when I thought about my faith, I kind of questioned how real was my faith? How much do I really believe? How's it going to affect my life? Well, now I'm going to go back to David. So, um, David was anointed to be the king. And why did God pick David? Because he knew David on the inside. He knew David's heart. And David didn't want to disappoint God. Um, and he really believed. But he was still the little brother, right? Um, well, you guys know um, the story of David and Goliath. You know how tall Goliath was? He was like nine foot nine. So I can reach eight feet tall. So he's two feet taller than the top of my fingers, okay? And he wasn't a skinny dude. He was big. So if you can imagine a, a guy with a sword and a spear, some other guy trying to hold up his shield in front of him. Um, if you really saw him here and he wanted to kill you, it would look pretty scary. Um, and nobody in the Israelites wanted to go out and fight him. Most of the Israelites didn't even have a sword. I don't know what they did. I guess some of them had slingshots. But um, um, Goliath came out for 40 days, and he taunted the, um, the Israelites and said, look, we don't have to fight. You guys don't all have to die. I'll just take on your champion. Whoever wins, wins, and whoever wins that 
the battle's over and that side wins and the other side loses. That easy. But nobody would go out. And he, um, he really uh, um, said, you know, your God can't deliver your, you. Your God is nothing compared to me. Look at me. I'm, I'm nine foot nine. You know, no God's real can do anything to me. That's basically what... Um, Goliath was saying. So he called him out, and David went. He went kind of to spy on his brothers and tell his dad what they were doing, bring him some cheese and some bread because they didn't like have the meals ready to eat back then. Um, and David heard Goliath challenging the Israelite army and calling God out. And David said, well, who's going to go? Nobody, he can't do this. And people heard David, and they brought him to the king, and he and David said he'd go out there. I don't know. The king probably thought, well, it's like a kid. We'll say he just ran out there. If, if this doesn't work out, we'll say, well, it wasn't our representative. Why would we send a kid? Um, but David went out there, and Goliath challenged him. And you can imagine, David hadn't, wasn't fully grown. He wasn't all that big a person. He was really a kid. And he's standing there um, facing this giant. And uh, David says, let's see. So I'm going to. Read from Samuel 17, 44 through 47. So Goliath said to Daniel, Come here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And David said to the Philistines, to the Philistine, to Goliath, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel." All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. So David really believed. He didn't know how he was going to do it. He had a slingshot. He said he was going to cut off his head. Now, you guys have seen the news, right? People losing their heads. Now, hopefully you haven't seen videos, but there's videos out there where the bad guys are videotaping it. It's really gruesome and, and hard to, to fathom. And if you have the opportunity to watch it, I recommend not. But it's real. Okay. So this was a gruesome thing. We know how it turned out, right? David slayed Goliath. He cut off his head. And the Israelites went and they conquered the Philistines and killed a bunch of them. And at the end of the day, they found David and brought him to the king. And what was he still holding? Goliath's head. He carried around with him the whole day. Um, pretty gruesome. I was going to bring, because I was in the army, my backpack in a bag with a ball, uh, basketball in it and pull it out, but I didn't. I thought the, the visual wouldn't be good. So these were serious times, um, and what David did was, uh, was a serious thing. Okay, a little bit back to me. After high school, I got into West Point. I don't know if you know what West Point is. It's the United States Military Academy. It's a great um, scholarship. It was really competitive. 
And part of why I got in there is I was good at math, and I was senior class president, and I was captain of the tennis team. Again, I kind of told you they might have sounded a little better than they really were, but I really, in retrospect, think God put me in those places so that I could go to West Point and be in the Army. Um, I did believe in God, um, and I knew Christ died for me when I went, but I really wasn't sure how that would affect my college or even my military experience. Um, it certainly didn't guarantee that I'd be successful. I was going off to this school is going to be really hard. And then I was going to be in the Army, which I thought was going to be really hard. And uh, being a Christian, there was no guarantee, at least I knew that, that I'd be successful in the eyes of the Army or at West Point. Well, my dad was a very sincere Christian. Um, through all this time growing up, I remember coming downstairs in the morning and he's finishing his quiet time. He really believed. Um, and uh, when I went to West Point, my dad encouraged me to have a quiet time. That's all he said. He didn't say, don't drink, don't do stupid things, careful with girls. He said, have a quiet time. He figured God would do the rest and convict me. Um, so I really tried hard to make it a habit. I had some success and then some periods of time where I didn't do very well with it. But I kind of always kind of kept coming back to it. Um, but I think the thing that stuck in my mind is I always knew that God knew everything that I was doing and thinking. And that was convicting. So if there's anything you leave here with today, I'm hoping that just that thought, God knows everything that you do and you think all the time. He knows we're going to fail, and he wants us, he continually wants us to come back to him. Um, I was at an average student at West Point. I kind of blended in, middle of the pack, for my first three years. Um, and uh, I still kind of, I was really skinny. Um, I wasn't real aggressive. Um, I didn't do well in some classes like boxing. I, I don't like getting hit in the face. I, uh, I did pass wrestling, though because um, I did it in the ninth grade, and I could do four pull-ups. But um, um, my senior year, uh, something about me stood out to my attack uh, officer, and I got selected and made company commander. So about one out of ten cadets kind of make it to that rank, and that was kind of neat. Um, but, but there was something about me that stuck out. And I, I think I really wasn't ever part of the party crowd. Um, people knew I was a Christian, and they didn't really give me a hard time about it, but I really wasn't ever accepted into their groups. And I, I did do stuff with the chaplain's office and Officers Christian Fellowship and navigators um, and went on retreats and uh, encouraged people, but, uh, but not the things that would make me like stand out as the super-duper cadet. So when you graduate from West Point, you're a second lieutenant and you're in the Army. So I went out, I was in the Army, and... Um, um, I wanted to share just a couple of friends of mine who ended up coming to Christ. They were really worldly guys. They did really worldly things. But for some reason, as my peers, we became friends. And I didn't do the things they did, but I didn't judge them for the things they did either. I just, we just kind of clicked, and we enjoyed each other's company. Um, and there's, on two different occasions, guys, several years later, became Christians. And they sought me out. They found me through this new thing called Facebook back then and uh, 
tracked me down and uh, told me, and they were so excited that they became Christians. Um, I got just a few more points, but one thing I had to do, my dad got colon cancer when I was a lieutenant after I'd been in the Army four years. And I was an aide to a general um, about 300 miles away from where my parents lived. And my dad's cancer progressed, and he got worse. And uh, there was a time when my dad got to the point where he was going to die in the next week or two. I was like 26. My little brother was 15. Um, And I went home for the weekend, and that's the weekend he went in the hospital. And I stayed home Sunday night, and I called the general, and I said, Hey, sir, I know you said that um, if I need to, to stay longer. And I, I said, I needed to stay longer. I'll come in tomorrow about midday. And here's what the general told me. He said, well, Jed, you need to say goodbye to your dad. We just got deployment orders. It was Hurricane Andrew. We were going down to Homestead Air Force, or Florida, to help police up after the hurricane came through. And um, he said, we are overseeing the division deploying down there. And on Friday, we're going to go down there. And we're going to be there till it's done. So you need to say goodbye to your dad. So four years at West Point, they kind of taught me duty concepts. And, uh, and my dad had been in the Army, too, for a while. And, you know, I didn't even think anything of it. I said, yes, sir. And I went and told my dad and, um, that I had to deploy. And I gave him a hug, and I said goodbye. It was really hard. Um, and so I say that to kind of get your attention, one, but to say that this whole Christian faith thing is real. Uh, My dad had a real faith. He wasn't afraid to die. Um, And I know he's in heaven. And uh, and I think my time at West Point was preparing me to be able to to take hard news and to do my duty and uh, and to move forward. Um, Through all that time, though, I kept coming back to having a quiet time. I use the daily bread. I don't know, are you guys familiar with the daily bread? There's lots of, there's lot, there used to be a little pamphlet. Now it's an app and it's really cool because you just click on it, you hit today, it's got a little verse and you touch the verse and you can read the verse and you hit done and then it has a little devotion. It's all in one page. It used to take some time, you had to look it up and sometimes you skip reading the scripture because you had to look it up but now you just touch the button. And I have it on my computer, I've got it on my iPad, and at a very minimum, if I'm going to have a quiet time, or in a day, I, I do the daily bread. And I do it on my iPad because when I open it up to do something else, I think I need to do my quiet time first. So that's my reminder. Um, so my second point, after uh, knowing that God knows me on the inside, is to have a quiet time. Okay, the... And I'll be real quick. I know I think I'm running out of time, but back to David. 1 Samuel 30, we're not going to read it. Um, David and his men, there were 600 of them, um, were fighting with the Philistines, and they got cut loose from them. So they went on this long journey home. They got home, and their houses were burned, and their wives and their children and all their possessions were gone. And they, they wept. They were totally worn out. They just walked for days and days and days, got there, and they were gone. And God said, go get them. So they turned around, and these guys were tired as all get out, and they chased after the guys who took their families. 
Partway along the way, 200 of the 600 guys said, we just can't go anymore. And they stopped. And David's men left all their, their provisions and stuff and let those guys watch them. And 400 guys went. And they conquered a much bigger force because God told them to go get it. And they brought all their family back and they didn't lose any of them. And when David came back and the guys came back to the 400 or to the 200 guys, the 400 that went thought that they're going to get to keep all the plunder, all the extra stuff they got. And David said, no, that belongs to this group. And some of the guys, 400, and the Bible calls them even wicked, evil men who were working for David, said, we went and fought. These guys didn't. We get the stuff. They don't. David said, no, it's equal share. Now, Dr. Youssef mentioned this a couple, about a month and a half ago when he came back from Egypt and talked about how our church was supporting him through prayer and all the other ways we support him while he was in Egypt. He was in Egypt at the front line. 500 Egyptians that they know of filled out a card and accepted Christ. But Dr. Youssef was saying that when we get to heaven, we claim the prizes of, um, that God gives us through our faithful service while we're here. And you kind of think, well, I'm just an average person. I'm not going to go get 500 people saved. Dr. Youssef said, we get to share in the rewards for that because we're here supporting him. Challenge in that is to think our church does have a really neat ministry and we're connected to Leading the Way, which has a great ministry. Joshua Youssef's preaching today. He's going to talk about it some, I think. And uh, it's really neat to be associated with it. It's more than just neat. We're kind of, um, a, uh, I guess, receive, going to receive the reward for what this church is doing. But it, along with that comes the responsibility of supporting the ministry through prayer and, uh, and whatever else the church is doing. And I, I would even um, challenge your parents, have you guys challenge your parents to be supportive of the ministry if they can. You could even ask your parents if they tithe. That might be an interesting question. Um, so, in, in conclusion, I wanted to bring up the point um, and, and kind of highlight the fact that we all have different roles. I think some of you could relate a little bit to some of my experiences in high school and junior high school. Um, and God will call each of you to some role. Some of them's very different than mine. Like, I'd say Ryan's calling was very different than mine. And... Uh, um, and God needs us to do everything that we might be called to do. God knows us on the inside. He knows us better than anybody else. Um, we will stray, but we really want to have a heart like David did. A heart for God. And we want God to know that we'll always come back to Him. And the thing, if, you, if that doesn't come naturally to you, or you feel like you fail, or you can't do it, I would encourage you to try to have a quiet time, a daily time where you go, read the scripture, even if it's just one verse, and even if you say a short prayer, just think about God a little bit each day. It'll change your life. And then I would encourage you, right now you go where your parents bring you on Sunday. I think some of you even like coming here. Um, and that's awesome. You're going to go off after you, you leave your family, some to college, and you all enter life somewhere. 
And at that point in time, you'll be kind of like your parents are. They don't necessarily go to church with their parents anymore, right? They go, they find their own identity, and they go worship somewhere. I would really encourage you, as you go, after, you know, a life filled with quiet times and listening to what God would have you do, go to a church that has a vibrant ministry where people are being saved so you can take part in that reward. Whether or not your, your role is being on stage leads to music or coming in and helping serve dinner on, on Wednesday night, whatever your role might be, play a part. You know, your tithe may be uh, 10% may be pennies compared to what some people give in their 10%, but it counts every bit as much. So hopefully I showed you, we look at David. David had a heart for God, um, and we kind of want to strive to be like him. I think we have to be prepared for that serious time. And if you think of yourself standing in front of a nine-foot-nine giant who's going to kill you, um, it's not too hard to think about in this day and age there are people out there who would like to kill each and every one of us right now. And if we were in their presence, they might do it. Somewhere on this globe today, right now, there are people like that. It's a serious world we live in. Um, and then, uh, um, so I guess think about how David, and you think all through the Bible, how David is referred to as a man after God's heart and was special. Um, God chose him. But we want to be like that, so do seek him out. Now, let me close this real quick in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this time. Um, and, and the example of David, we thank you for your servant, David. And we just pray, Lord, that no matter what you call us to be, Lord, that you would help us to be faithful, help us to seek you out, whatever that is, and uh, help us to honor you with our lives. Please go with us through these uh, hard high school years. Um, and into uh, college or whatever else follows high school. And help us, Lord, just to seek you out and to honor you through that time. In the name of Jesus, amen.